You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Post-game show, probably not the one Michigan fans had hoped it would be, but regardless... Uh, We will be discussing the ins and outs and what's ahead from the Michigan football team's 27 to 24 loss to Michigan State. Lots of stories already up over at 247sports.com, themichiganinsider.com. I've already posted uh, everything Jim Harbaugh had to say, already posted my five takeaways, my game story. I know know Steve, Sam, Josh Henke, Josh Newkirk, Bryce Marich. Going to be be a busy couple days on the site, as it always is, around game time. And so if you want to uh, read about it, check it all out there. If you like this podcast, uh, be sure to share it with your friends, subscribe to it, throw us a rating if you'd like. But yeah, Steve, this is going to be a similar format to last week. It's not going to be exactly the same week to week, but but a few things that I think are, are allowing us to kind of cover all of our bases in a efficient, hopefully entertaining manner. So we'll start with some fill in the blanks. Some of these are our staples week to week, and then we'll do true falses, and then we'll end with a segment. I, I heard a couple people liked it last week, uh, the air it out segment at the end. So anything we haven't said yet uh, that we that we still that's still kind of on our minds, whether it's a rant or singling out something that we didn't discuss. Uh, so it should be a fun episode. We're talking about we're going to talk about everything. Thing you know, Steve. I know you asked beforehand. Uh, you know, are, are we touching the big questions, kind of the elephant in the rooms? Yes, we're touching those questions. We're also discussing recruiting, uh, what happened in the game, and even looking ahead a little bit to the rest of this season. But first, we'll start with with some strict game stuff, and we'll fill in the blank to this. I was most surprised by blank. Steve, I'll let you go first with this one. You were most surprised by blank. Rutgers had 12 and a half tackles for a loss in last week's game. Michigan, I believe, ended with either one and a half or two. I know the cornerback play, rightfully so, is going to probably get the majority of the attention coming out of this one. But, man, I mean, just the to me, the biggest common thread in all of these, lo- these losses that Michigan seems to – whenever they lose, whether it's Ohio State, whoever – to me, the common thread is that the front four cannot get any pressure on the opposing quarterback. And it wasn't quite Dwayne Haskins a couple of years ago, but Lombardi had more often than not had plenty of time to throw the football. And, you know, I, I told you, I posted last week for my players I was watching about Aiden Hutchinson and this Bosa talk. And man, I mean, you watch that game last week against Rutgers and Rutgers up front manhandled Michigan state. And you have a guy like, you know, Quiddy pay was had one of the best performances of any defender last week against Minnesota. Hutchinson played really, really well as well. Minimal impact in this game. And to me, I mean, that's like, it's borderline inexcusable. Uh, when you have two guys so that you can't put all the attention on one of those two guys, you have two guys that are capable but nothing from those guys for the most part. So 
Uh, that surprised me the most. I, I, I think, I think you and I maybe both. We, I mean, we said it in the pregame. Thought the biggest mismatch in this game was Michigan on the edge defensively against Michigan State's offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is based on an entire year's performance last year by Michigan State's offensive line, and last week, you know, against against a Rutgers team who had lost twenty one straight games in conference. Right. So, you know, tons of evidence to support us believing that way going into this game. And it was you know, almost really almost a complete no-show, if we're being honest. I mean, just in the grand scheme of things and in the impact that was that uh, Pay and Hutchinson had on this game, it was pretty much a borderline no-show. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's by far the most surprising thing because there, there were some, I mean, you know, Michigan State did throw for over 300 yards last week against Rutgers. Um, you kind of knew, you know, I think we were kind of in agreement that Michigan State's front seven was going to at least at least show up early. Now, you know, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But yeah, I agree. It's uh, This is not a offensive line full of NFL dudes. At least I, I don't think so for, for Michigan State. I mean, maybe... Maybe this is the beginning of them turning the corner, but that was such a huge uh, liability for them last season, arguably the season before and last week. And they were missing Matt Allen, who I I kind of thought I don't watch them week to week, but I kind of thought he was their best dude. Is yep, yeah. And so, uh, really a, a head scratcher. I mean, it's one thing when it's when Michigan can't get a pass rush against you know Ohio State, who's got three. Maybe, honestly, all five offensive linemen could end up being first-round draft picks at some point. It's five-star recruits. It's guys who are 320 pounds. Same deal with Wisconsin. I understand there are going to be games where Michigan... I mean, certainly Michigan wants to do better, but you know, just looking at the way things are, I genuinely thought Michigan State was going to be the second-worst offensive line Michigan was going to face all year. And I guess we'll see... This has been a weird season for the Big Ten, but that does not bode well for Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson if that's what they have against Michigan State. But anyway, uh, I'm going to pick a different one. I was most surprised by the fact that Michigan's offense never seemingly even tried to turn it on. I, you know, it really reminded me, Steve, and, and perhaps you disagree perhaps you agree it really reminded me of Michigan's what 20 to 19 win at Northwestern in 2018 where they kind of trailed the whole time and you're kind of like sitting there thinking okay take a deep shot downfield work quickly do something and and they just never did and now that game they ended up winning I think Shea Patterson you know threw a touchdown pass or, or something with like two minutes to go or whatever. But in this game, Michigan, you know, really was in position to score and then potentially score again for a win. I mean, they, they Michigan state's offense had kind of, uh, they weren't, they weren't doing much and they spend what four and a half minutes, 18 plays to go across the course of the field, 18 plays on a hurry up drive. That's like, that's, that's a play count that like army does. You know, when they do their triple option, I, I'm just, I mean, and again, it's, it's weird to sit and because of course they would have taken a 50 yard play, 
So maybe I'm more surprised Michigan State's defense never gave up a big play. But if I'm not mistaken, the longest play of the game for Michigan was 28 yards. I mean, that's that's really just so surprising. I know they didn't I know they didn't do too much downfield passing last week, but I kind of thought that was the that was more due to how the game was going. And I thought that was more due to the fact that their run game was working. Well, in this game, their run game wasn't working. Joe Milton threw for 300 yards. Yet they didn't have any big, you know, counterpunch play. And so, you know, I wrote in my takeaways, I feel like Michigan's offense has promise. I mean, clearly there were plays where, you know, you see the quickness, you see the elusiveness, you see, um, you know, I, I, I think there were some designs, play designs that, that looked really good. But man, oh man, it was like they, they were play calling as if they were up by 20 the whole game. And even even in the hurry-up drive where it was, you know, smack in the face, you you have to score. It took them 18 plays. I I don't understand it. So so that to me, the pass rush, I'm I'm in agreement. That was the big surprise. But I also think the offense, uh, you know, 24 points. All right, that that might happen against Michigan State. Michigan State was a good defense last season. But the way that it was just so um, methodical, I mean, really, like walking through molasses, uh, you know, they, they missed on some third down plays. There were some drops. There was some execution errors. But, man, oh, man, you, you would have thought at one point they were going to try to dial it up big. <laughs> it just didn't seem like that was something that they wanted to do. And I don't know if that's a trust issue. I don't know if that's a play calling issue or just or just kind of a a brain fart. I don't know what it was. Really surprised Michigan's offense never 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 seemed to even try to turn on the light switch. Yeah, I bet you know, that's kind of what we said getting up before we got on. Like this this game is definitely the most mystifying game. Uh, period since Harbaugh has been here uh, you have these athletes you know one of my other things was I, I don't I don't know why Michigan's not using AJ Henning even more than they already you know the I think he needs to be on the field even more I mean not only does he look like maybe the fastest guy in the field every time he's out there but he's decisive uh, makes good decisions. looks like he makes good decisions when he has the ball in his hand you know I just wonder that's kind of the thing you know you talk about deep the deep stuff and that we taught, we've, you know, we've talked a lot about the time, the numbers, the times for these guys, how far Milton can throw the ball. Pretty crazy that they really rarely tried to do anything with any of these athletes, you know, that they've purposely tried to recruit for that purpose. Um, yeah, especially when you're the, the, and again, we, we saw it today. And I think this is something we probably sort of felt you know, with the deep ball, I think there is going to be a learning curve for Milton in trying to rein things in a little bit. I don't think you expected him to walk out and, you know, I just feel like that part of his game is going to be a little bit of a process, but there's no doubt he can throw it and throw it past defensive backs. You know, right. you got to think with Michigan having two really good tackles on each edge that Milton would have enough time for them to at least take a deep shot with one of these athletes and bank on them getting past at least getting past the defenders and having a chance, you know? And so, uh, but for them to not even try it, 
really it gets to a point where Michigan State or any defense doesn't even have to respect it so they can just kind of keep creeping in. Yeah, yeah, they they can sell out, right? Yeah, negates the running game even more than it already was being negated and really puts the clamps down on, you know, the the horizontal stuff and and then the short passing stuff that they've been doing. I mean, you know, there were a lot of plays that worked last week against Minnesota. That was the other thing, too. I did like I agree with you that some of the play designs were solid, but they also did a lot of the exact same stuff they did against Minnesota. And like, yeah, none of it like, you know, that little dump pass to Eric all was completely sniffed out uh, by Michigan State's defense a couple times, I want to say. So, you know, I don't know. You I mean, we can get into it a little more about the big picture stuff, but it just game plan wise, it almost kind of felt like Michigan just thought they were going to come in and win this game. Um like, and I mean that like not in the good way that they thought they were going to come in and win this game, just sort of that, you know, not run through the motions, but that they wouldn't have to, you know, we talked about, would they open up the playbook again or would they open it up? They didn't open it up last week. because they ran the ball so well, there was really no need to, but it kind of felt like they didn't even prepare for the possibility <laughs> that the stuff that they ran last week wouldn't work, you know? And I think that's a, yeah. Yeah. You know, in a rivalry game, regardless of what the line was, whatever that's, that's, that's pretty disappointing. Well, and and to me, you know, I, I've seen enough of these games. This is this is actually exactly what I predicted was that I thought it would be kind of close early. I thought Michigan State's defensive front was going to be better than um, maybe Michigan was giving it credit for. I thought the game would be close at halftime. And then the second half, they would turn it on. And so I, I was kind of almost expecting Michigan to have a vanilla playbook kind of uh, maybe hope that it could kind of power run ground game its way to victory, realize it couldn't, and then they would have to air it out. And I was right, in, except for the part that they never they never really aired it out. They went, I don't know, West Coast passes between the hashes for hurry-up offense. It's just yeah. bananas. And and so, um, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, this, this offense, you know, they don't have a... Nico Collins, you know, big body jump ball player, but um, I don't, I don't see the harm in trying it a little bit more on, on, you know, say it's a third and 15, go for an arm punt. If Joe Milton throws a pick, you know, as long as it's not a pick six, who cares? I mean, not, not necessarily, you don't want to do that every time, but my goodness, like, you know, Jim Harbaugh's talking after the game and, and we'll get into what he said a little bit more more seriously, but this is one comment that stood out to me is he talked about no turnovers and, and he's right. But how, how many times in, in our football watching lives, have we seen a, a college team rack up over 450 yards of offense, not turn the ball over and only score 24 points. Yeah. Especially to me, in today's, in today's game. Yeah. Points where points, you know, defense is at a premium points aren't at a premium anymore. You know, that's just, yeah. 450 yards, no turnovers. You think, okay, that's probably like a 37, 38 point effort. Um, And they didn't, I don't think they missed a field goal either. Did they? I'd have to double check the box one, but Michigan didn't miss any. I think they, yeah, yeah. no missed field goals, no interceptions, 450 yards. Where is it going? So that, and that, and to me, I think the third downs is probably the big one, five for 14 and, Jim Harbaugh even went out of his way to say they started out two for eight on third down. So there's a little bit of inconsistency, but
but I was just surprised that, uh, and you know, eye in the sky, we're up in the press box, but never really felt the sense of urgency from Michigan's offense, either in design or in kind of decision-making. It seemed like, seemed like they really thought they were going to be like that 2018 Northwestern game. Sure. And just slow play their way back into contention. Next fill in the blank. Michigan should be most worried about blank moving forward. So we might've talked about the two, but, but Steve, uh, some some of the stuff is okay. That's a bad week. Some of the stuff is that might be a problem against Indiana, Wisconsin, Penn State. Uh, who, who knows? Rutgers. I mean, it is a road game. Right. Rutgers definitely looks better. Uh, so, what is what? Uh, which thing should Michigan be most worried about moving forward? I don't. Uh, I'm not big on like. I don't want to. It's not picking on an individual, but got to be concerned about maybe the confidence level for Vince Gray coming out of this game. Um, really didn't play that well last week either. And this, then it gets kind of into that whole, you know, the coaches and the other players had a lot of great things to say about how he's looked and, and the preparation he'd put into this season. And he had the, he was ready to kind of take that number one corner spot with Ambry Thomas, you know, departing or whatever. And, I mean, again, I talked about no pass rush, but there were some, I mean, I don't know how to, like, juvenile-level mistakes uh, at cornerback. From from Gray in particular, nobody at corner played well. But, you know, for a guy that was supposed to be Michigan's number one cornerback and Michigan's, again, this is true, regardless of today's result, Michigan has by and large always had really good cornerback play under Jim Harbaugh. They just have, I know Gray's not as highly ranked and, and recruited as some of the other guys, but even with that, notwithstanding you, you don't expect to see that level of play from, from a Michigan cornerback, um, let alone in a rivalry game, let alone against a team. And really, if we're honest, a player in Ricky White who had one catch for five yards last week against Rutgers, and then all of a sudden the guy looks like an All-American, uh, not just in his route running, but just some of the grabs he made too were outstanding. Uh, just insane level of play from him. But I think that's what I'm concerned about because teams now, teams are just going to, if you're anybody, Wap Fillier, really on paper better than any receiver Michigan State has. Mm-hmm. If you're Indiana next week, why why would you do anything differently? Matter yeah. of fact, I mean that's the thing is like I would argue ten out of ten that Indiana's offense probably has better players than Michigan State's offense does. Stevie Scott probably better a better back than anybody on Michigan State's roster. That's true. Wap Fillier a better receiver than anybody on Michigan State's roster. Yep. Peyton Hendershot maybe yeah. the Big Ten's second best tight end. Mike yeah. Penix Jr. Yeah. So if you're Indiana. Why would you game plan any differently? Michigan's got to, they have to, like, until they can stop it. Because that's that was one of the most mind-blowing parts of this game is it got literally would get to a point where Michigan State thought, we'll just do this every play. And it was working. And that's just, that's crazy. Um, whether the, ta- even if the talent levels had been closer together, it's crazy you know, at the college level to be able to just literally do the same thing. It kind of reminded me, 
this is maybe it might be a dumb comparison. Reminded me in high school, we played tennis. We played a couple, one high school where like our force, our four doubles, they lost and the team they were playing against every time that the ball would go to their side, they would just lob it way up in the air. And our mm-hmm. guys would just make our, our four doubles team just was making mistake after mistake. And it was just frustrated. They'd get frustrated in it and they ended up somehow losing. That's kind of what this felt like to where they were just dropped. Like it wasn't even complicated. They just drop back, look for the one-on-one coverage, drop back, throw it up in the air to that guy, either make the play, draw enough, draw a penalty or try it again, the next play, you know? And so, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, the receiving matchups are not going to get any easier for Michigan. No, right. So I think it's, it's, if you're Michigan or or if what you need to be concerned about is definitely is, is your cornerback play, particularly with Vincent gray, because he's the vet, you know, he he ran away with it. There was no like, Oh, maybe Vincent gray will start. They were like, no, he's a starter. He's, you know, he's next. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, well, and what stands out to me is now granted, I think, I, I'm looking at the stats. I mean, you know, yeah, it, I didn't feel like Lombardi had that good of throws. Like, I don't think that those were like, drop your jaw. Oh, man, that guy's going to the NFL for either the receivers or the quarterbacks. It was just like somehow Michigan seemed to be one or two steps behind every single time. And if they weren't, then they committed a penalty. I mean, one one stat that I found interesting, a quarter of Michigan State's first downs so five out of 20 came on penalties. Yes. And so that's huge. Yeah. A 25%. I mean, if that would be like Michigan getting seven more first downs due to penalties, because they had 28 first downs, only one from penalty. So, um, yeah, just another small stat, but yeah, I mean, Ricky white eight catches, 196 yards. It's like where in the hell did that come from? Jalen Naylor, two catches, 68 yards. So those two combined for 10 catches for 264 yards. Well, if I saw that, so what Michigan state had six plays this game. Yeah. Added up to 232, 32 yards. yards. Yep. That is Penn state. Was it 17 or 18 last year, last year. That is that yep. game all over again. And you know how much that game got me riled up as far as, you know, the scheme and all that stuff. I mean, this is worse than that. So I just, yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the other thing, so in terms of what Michigan should be most worried about cornerbacks is the, is probably the big one because they've struggled and you could argue maybe they didn't technically struggle last week. I felt like that was the weak point. That was the thorn of the game for the Wolverines in week one. So now they've done it twice in a row. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, I don't know if every team's going to have receivers that come to play like like Naylor and uh, and White did, but I mean they're not they're going to be good still. You know, there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that can do that, and so maybe they don't make every catch, but they make some of them. But the thing to me, I'll I'll go to the offense again. I think I think Michigan can be a little bit worried about its. Well, I don't know exactly whether I'd have to watch the film to decide if it's offensive line or running back, but it's run game quietly uh, really did not deliver. 
I mean, I'm looking and I, I think Hassan Haskins led the way eight carries 56 yards. So good game for him. Well, he had his best, one of his yeah. best games. He looked, he looked, he, I think with Haskins, he's had big runs, but I think he's lacked patience or he's been too patient. And he's also made some wrong cuts. I thought he made some excellent reads and cuts today that, that gained them some yardage. So, yeah. yeah. But the rest of the group, Blake Corum, five carries, 15 yards. Chris Evans, three carries, 10 yards. Zach Charbonnet, five carries, three yards. So if you don't count Joe Milton and you don't count AJ Henning, they had, excuse me, uh, they had 21 carries for 94 yards. I mean, that is just not, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I mean, I know Michigan State's got a pretty good run defense. I, I, I think the running backs will do more, but I, to me, it, it comes down to how do you fare compared to what you were supposed to do? And that's where I'm really harsh. I'm much harsher on Michigan's pass rush than I am on their cornerbacks because the pass rush was supposed to be good. You know, the corners, I think everyone, I mean, a, a seven-year-old could look at, you know, Michigan's team before the season and say, oh, I'm not so sure about the cornerbacks. But yeah, the pass rush was supposed to deliver. And, and frankly, Michigan, you know, they talk a lot about how they feel like they have four future NFL running backs on the roster. I don't know if any of them looked the part Saturday. I mean, we can talk about Hassan Haskins had a few nice runs. He still only had 56 yards, you know, and it's, it's just not, that's not going to work. And so I, before I go too hard on the running backs, I do, when I watch the film, I'll be watching to see, I, I feel like the interior offensive line had a bit of a letdown and that's a group that was supposed to struggle maybe more than they looked like they struggled last week. It's, it's all new starters. It's guys who were backups for multiple seasons. I mean, they're veteran guys still can be good, but I think if, if I, you know, if, if, if I were to advise Michigan fans like, or Michigan, what they should be most worried about, you know, being more than just a bad week, it's that run game. Cause it was, it was funny. You know, people were so mad about the runs up the middle and I, I get it. You know, I just talked about, uh, the offense didn't seem to want to be aggressive. Well, nobody was mad about the runs up the middle when it was a 70 yard touchdown for Zach Charbonnet, right? Or, or I think Hassan Haskins ended up bumping it outside, but his 65 yard run or, you know, nobody's mad when it works, but it didn't work. What you, I don't know if that's the offensive line. I don't know if that's the running backs. Uh, Got to be more effective. I think they actually outrushed Michigan State. So um, I guess there's there's an ar- a counter argument to this. But I think for Michigan to have success in games like this against a team like that, the way they're constructed, I think Michigan's got to run for 200, 250 yards in order to win. And if they run for a few more you know, on their first and tens or second and eights or whatever, if they get a little bit more effectiveness, maybe they don't constantly have to, you know, sling it downfield on third and 10 or whatever it was. A lot of third and long situations as well. Um, Next category or question, the Wolverines can take solace in blank moving forward. So was there anything you saw that you're kind of looking at the Indiana game or Wisconsin game or the rest of the season and saying, well, that they can they can at least hang on to that, or or that can be better. Anything the Wolverines can take solace in moving forward. 
I'm I'm actually so I'm actually still optimistic on Joe Milton's trajectory. I I think he there were there weren't many throws he made today that were like what I would consider like disaster like potential disaster decisions. I mean late on the last drive, I think he tried to force a couple balls in there, but outside there was one pass he threw to Eric All that should have been intercepted. Um there was maybe a, maybe one or two more, but turnover free football, I think. And again, I mean, yeah, I mean, wasn't enough, obviously, but I still am I'm optimistic about his trajectory. And I guess to, what that sort of leads into is having a great quarterback, I think is still the most important aspect, you know, for, for a, a perennial winner in college football. Uh, So in that regard, you know, I don't look at this game and think, oh man, I don't know if Milton is capable of leading this team. Uh, I think you can see that there's a lot there. And I mean, honestly, yeah, I know they didn't get any, I know he didn't throw, didn't throw any touchdown passes, but I mean, by and large, statistically his game was solid. And I don't really think he played that badly. Um, you know, yeah, 359 I, yards of offense, 300 yards passing, 60% completion rate. Yeah, can, statistically, it was a good game. No picks, no fumbles. Right. You can still see, though, you know, where there's a there's still a lot of room for improvement, a lot of room for growth. Uh, but for a guy making his second start and a guy who has a lot of the unteachable physical talents, I'm still optimistic on his eventual trajectory. I just, you know. Today, I think, was more of a product of, you know, no running game offensively to open things up in the passing game, and then also just defensively just a poor performance. Yeah. Yeah, I think Milton, to me, would get like a B or B-plus grade. Yeah. You know, it's it's certainly, certainly do wonder, okay, did he miss someone who was open? I didn't see any that were that glaring. There was that, that, that final drive, but that, oh, the final drive. No, okay, because that same pass that he threw to all that should have been intercepted, he had Chris Evans yes, wide open. That's in the flat, that's right? true. Yeah, that's true. I yeah, to me, I mean, he was probably good enough to win if the rest of the team wasn't in a disaster scenario. You could argue he needs to be better because. You know, you need a great quarterback. I don't know if he had a great game, but he had a, he had a good game, especially for start number two. Uh, the thing that I think the Wolverines can take solace in is the true freshman skill position players. So that's two weeks in a row that we've seen Blake Corum, AJ Henning, as you mentioned, um, Roman Wilson, that they've stepped up. You know, Corum, I don't think had quite as well. Eh, he had a pretty good game. But anyway, the, the three of them collectively, once again, I think over 100 yards. Corm had the two touchdowns, and, and one of them looked really nice. Um, you know, Henning, as you mentioned, the, the speed and the quickness, how quickly he can get up to, you know, highway speed, I guess. And, and Wilson, really impressed with him. I think he's emerged as a really reliable downfield receiver, maybe more so than anyone else on the team. It's early on in the season, but... But yeah, I think those three uh, first recruiting class where Josh Gaddis was the offensive coordinator. I mean, they really I think I mean, you know, we'll see what Matthew Hibner does tight end. I think he was always supposed to be more of a 
year two, year three guy. But um, so far, they're three for three at skill position receivers or skill position players under Josh Gaddis. So um, they look like players who can make plays in big games. It's just a matter of maximizing that, utilizing that, and then getting the ball in their hands. So I think, I think the skill position players are, are, you know, if you're looking at the Indiana game and thinking, oh man, they got to fix this, this, and this. And you're looking at the Wisconsin game and saying, oh, they got to fix this, this, and this. Feels like there is a game plan that they could craft where, uh, um, you know, Corum, Wilson, Henning play a pretty big role and make some big plays. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think I think AJ Henning needs to be in the game more. I think they need to get him mm-hmm. the ball more. I'm I'm also receiver by trade. I mean, that's what he's recruited as a receiver. Uh, interested that to see maybe if they try to get him the ball down the field a little bit more. He's really sort of been used the same way Giles Jackson was last year so far. Yeah, right. Interested to see if there's other ways that they plan to use him this year because I do, man. I mean, he's probably I I actually kind of feel bad almost feel like we're glossing over Roman Wilson who was Michigan's leading receiver today and had some really great he looks like a he looks like a guy who's eventually gonna be a number like can be a number one receiver like an all it looks like he might be there now right I mean (laughs) not just because of his physical you know we know he's fast all that stuff but like seems like he's a really really reliable target too yeah i mean that's good leap catching in traffic yes i don't think he has a drop yet yeah no like he looked quietly looked really really good but henning just feels like a game breaker type player and and i think they need to get him the football more but 100 percent, you know they've gone three for three in that regard all three of these guys look like they're going to be really really good players for them so yep we'll see how they get used all right on the other side we get big picture we get existential when it comes to Michigan, uh, talking about where this loss ranks in the Jim Harbaugh era, uh, doing some hot seat discussion, also talking about recruiting and what the rest of the season looks like in our true false segment. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll continue the discussion. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. True, false. If you missed it last week, it's it's a pretty simple setup. I make a statement or say a statement that I think is probably something fans are either wondering or saying themselves. And then you and I debate whether it's true yet or false. Obviously, there's nuance to all of them. But the first one, I, th- I think we're in agreement with this. 
Saturday's loss to Michigan State was the worst loss of the Jim Harbaugh era. There have been 19 losses. There have been five to Ohio State, three to Michigan State, four in bowl games, uh, two to Wisconsin, two to Penn State, one at Utah, one at Iowa. And I think that's all of them. Oh, one at Notre Dame as well. So, Steve, is this the worst loss of the Jim Harbaugh era? So I took a few minutes like earlier once I knew we were going to record tonight to like step back and make sure that I just didn't yell like, yeah, but, (laughs) but yeah, is still the answer. And I don't even think it's close. um, The more I think about it, this, I mean, it is in, in a multitude of ways, this is an inexcusable loss. Um, Mel Tucker didn't even get the benefit of like working with his team this spring or summer as a first year head coach, Michigan is far and away more talented on paper and probably at the end of the day, more talented and guys that'll end up playing in the NFL. Michigan put, I felt like the way that uh, the summer, spring and summer played out, it felt like Michigan would be more prepared than other programs because of the amount of guys that stayed in Ann Arbor this summer, all this type of deal. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it felt like Michigan had, gone about this COVID stuff about as po- as well as they possibly could have from both a an operational standpoint and an execution. I know we talked about that a uh, couple months ago, you know, as far as like it just felt like they maximized their efficiency uh, in this given situation. And also it is. I mean, this is, this is it's year six. I know that's kind of a, a message board type comment, but it is. It's the sixth year. This is not a Michigan State. I mean, come on. I mean, there were Michigan State fans. How many Michigan State fans were expecting them to even be in this game today, let alone win? Right. That's just a fact. They're not, you know, uh, based on what you saw last week from both teams uh, and based on what just the way that each of these teams uh, performed last week, the dominant win for Michigan, the the embarrassing loss to Rutgers for Michigan State. So I, 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 I don't even know what the second close that the closest one is to this one is or if the second loss the second worst loss for Harbaugh how close it even is to this one because mm-hmm. in every other game that they've lost the team they were playing was either at least in the ballpark from a talent standpoint like there was just the thing with Harbaugh has been that he hasn't really he's not lost to a bad team his entire time here even those Michigan State, a couple of those, a couple of Michigan State losses. Michigan State was solid those seasons. Uh, this, like, I don't come out of this game thinking that Michigan State's going to win five or six games. Like, I, my opinion on Michigan State hasn't really changed that much. Mm-hmm. I just think Michigan just laid a giant egg. Um, not taking anything away from Michigan State at all. I mean, Ricky White, the dude should have a statue in front of Spartan Stadium with the the performance that he put on. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's one of the, you know, you talk about a guy who steps up when the lights are brightest. I mean, you do like that guy. I mean, that's just what a performance all around, just route running, catching the ball, making big plays on at big moments. Like just for a guy in his second career game in college, let not, not second start, whatever, um, you know, really, really played an amazing game, but either way, uh, no excuse for Michigan to lose this game. And, and I don't even think it's close. It's got to be the worst loss of Harbaugh's tenure here for sure. I'm going to say true. 
because of this. Every single loss, and I think I've covered every single loss, there was some sort of, yeah, but blank. Okay, it was a last-second play. Okay, sure. Uh, Michigan was missing players, either skipping the bowl game or injured. Yep, okay, that's that's fair. Um, it was a crazy road atmosphere. That happens. They, some player who's going to be a future NFL pro bowler just absolutely went off. You know, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley. Um, you could argue last year, last two years, Ohio State. You know, the talent differential, you could say. Um, I think I mentioned injuries, but either injuries or players sitting out the game. Every single one, there was something else. Or or even, I think, 2017 is maybe the one that there, there wasn't this, but... Um, you know, it was a home game against Michigan State, but that was clearly, I mean, there were just a lot of exceptions that were felt in that game, whether it be, well, I guess technically this Michigan starting quarterback was injured, uh, but, you know, the five turnovers, the the rainstorm, this game didn't have anything. Michigan was playing in, in its comfort zone at home during the day. They had a talent edge. I don't think I've ever covered a Michigan team that was this healthy. I think every single projected starter preseason played. And so, and and they still lost. It was close. It was definitely a close game, but it wasn't some, you know, crazy wild game. Michigan trailed like the whole time. Trailed or tied. So, you know, in Michigan, you know, they stopped the run. I don't think anyone on Michigan State's team is as, as good as, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Ricky White looked. I don't think that this is some, you know, I don't think there's like a Jonathan Taylor or Saquon Barkley type player on that team that just Michigan had no answer for. Yeah, there's there's just really nothing Michigan fans can kind of, or Michigan, I should say, Michigan can kind of grasp at and be like, well, there was this. No, I, I do think the second loss, second worst loss, I think South Carolina's got to be up there yeah, in the aspect true. bowl. Because um, I don't think Michigan had any players skip uh, but, you, you know, you've mentioned it. I kind of tend to agree. Uh, I think the bowl games are a little different than a Michigan State rivalry game yes. early on in the season when you're the number 13 team in the country. Yep. You know, it, one team on the field looked like it was ready to win a football game, especially in the first half, and it wasn't a team that had everything to play for. So, yeah, to me, it's the worst one. Um, I kind of agree with you. I don't think it's especially close. And my my rationale is that, you know, there's really no, and I don't know, even gonna say excuses because Michigan's had unexcuse or inexcusable losses before, but there always was like a justification. I don't even know what the justification was here. Michigan State played better. I guess that's yes. the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. They they came they they coached better. They played better. They did more. Uh, anyway, next. True, false. Let's do... Well, let's do a slightly less big one before we do one of the big ones. This is a big problem. True or false? This is a big problem for Michigan's 2021 and 2022 recruiting class. 2021, I don't think so. Um, So... 
my thing with recruiting is fans take the losses a million times harder than recruits do. Knee-jerk reaction, like for instance, like I'd be surprised if like a Rayshon Benny just flipped his now that one is the only one that's maybe there's an impact just because Michigan and Michigan State were the two schools he was down to. Um, but you know, I, I do. Fans take the losses a million times worse than recruits. I'm not saying that losing a game doesn't have some kind of impact, but 21, it's so late in the game, and the relationships are so far developed at this point that I'd be kind of surprised. 22 is where, you know, it's it, it'll be interesting as far as, honestly, like in-state stuff. I mean, this is this is where I think if you're Michigan or if you're Michigan fan, this is such a frustrating loss because you had an opportunity to maybe just kind of put the foot down on a less, ta- you know, Michigan state's recruiting classes the last couple of years, the last couple of years under D'Antonio were there. They were terrible. They're not good recruiting classes. Um, you know, their roster by and large is, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of the lower like on our talent team talent composite. I mean, Michigan state's near the bottom of the big 10 at this point. Yeah. They're 35th nationally. Yeah. Which I mean, is actually, that's actually higher than I even thought it would be, but well, but it's only 65 power five. Right. True. True. Either way interested, you know, with the in-state guys that Michigan's really after in 22, you know, cause like these two schools recruit by and large, like Michigan recruits more against Notre Dame, uh, even Ohio state, like, they have not met up with Michigan State on the trail too, too often. We'll see if that changes in 22. We'll see if Michigan State becomes more of a factor with maybe some of the higher-ranked guys in state. I kind of think they they may. Um, but one win will only take you so far. I mean, how much is this going to – how much will Michigan State's recruiting take a step forward if they go two and six still? You know what I mean? Or if they go even three and five. So – Really, I think it becomes more of a situation where for Michigan, it's more about sort of the opposite, making sure you can maybe still go six and two or, you know, like if you start to go four and four, three and five, then it'll really have an impact, not just on your current recruiting class, but future recruiting classes. So, you know, I don't ever believe that one win or one loss can really, you know, make that big of a difference, but, you know, obviously it doesn't help. It's, It's just, but it becomes more of a macro type deal. It's just, can Michigan State, you know, continue to win, or and can Michigan avoid a few more losses? You know, I think that'll really be the bigger question. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna defer to you for most of it, but I, I do think the next is it three games before the Penn State game, Indiana, Wisconsin, Rutgers. They're critical for Michigan. You know, I think I defer to you on what happens with 2021, but I, I do wonder, I mean, if they lose, I mean, it's not impossible for them. They play at Indiana, at Rutgers, home versus Wisconsin. It's not impossible for them to go one and two yeah. in the next three games. And then and then you really start, I mean, I, I, think, I think a lot of teams that wanted some of the players Michigan is recruiting – I think they were waiting for a loss like this to kind of pounce in and be like, see, they still don't have it. You know, yada, yada. They, they, they can't win the big games. They can't beat rivals, whatever ne- negative recruiting they do. Um, I mean, I think didn't, didn't Xavier worthy already post a tweet kind of like, 
reaffirming that he wasn't interested in hearing from other schools. Yeah, but, it's, yep. but you know, that just speaks to how quickly the negative recruiting starts. Yes. And so, and the fan um, reaction drives that on social media. Anyway, the fan reaction can really drive the, re- the commits to publicly say like, Hey, like I'm not going anywhere, you know, that type of thing. Cause they'll have fans that'll like literally tweet at him and saying, you know, are you still solid? Are you, you know, like <laughs> I really though, it's kind of what happens. Cause um, you know, but yeah, like, you know, a guy like worthy. Yeah. Ann Arbor on his own dime this weekend, his first visit, you know, this, the first signing period is in like less than two months. It's just really hard for another program or other programs in general to get in. with. I think you'd have to have some legitimate hot seat rumors. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is an aside. I I'd be very curious. I'd love to ask national reporters or people who've covered the whole country. Does any team lose as loudly as Michigan does? I feel like every loss it's like, and, and I, I get it. You know, it's a, it's a passionate fan base. And I personally, I enjoy that part of it, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Like I'm looking on Twitter and you know, you've got NFL players, tweeting out hmm you know things like that you've got recruits having to reaffirm their commitment yeah and it's like did oklahoma have this when they lost a couple times earlier this year did um did michigan state have it last week did i mean what's minnesota what's penn state i mean what are they all going through it yeah. just seems like i don't know maybe i'm wrong but that's no i think i think i think you're right study. i think you're right i think there's a i don't know this sounds too like woe is us or me i don't know i feel like there's a like almost a desire in a lot of national circles for michigan to be the laughing stock almost like i think there's that there are many that get a kick out of seeing michigan texas probably loses loses as loudly as michigan yeah they're the only they're probably another one that's close you know is that yeah but to be fair you know, Michigan got a lot of pats on the back after last week's performance. A lot of people, you know, Joel Klatt saying maybe Harbaugh's best team at Michigan. Like, no, well, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, but really though, so it is one of those things where, I mean, we are getting to a point where this pattern, the pattern is pretty well established at this point where Michigan under Harbaugh, a team that is consistently not reaching expect the expectations that, right. and even right. going into this year, the expectations were even, it was more cautious optimism. There wasn't anybody, you know, picking Michigan to win seven or eight games. I mean, a lot of us had them maybe two losses. I think a lot of us had them at two losses and a lot of them even had five and three, but either way, you know, but then they come out and play the way they did last week against a team that won 11 games last year. And then it kind of goes right back into the whole, everyone's on the train and, and, you know, they got a quarterback now and look at the, how many different ways they can beat you offensively. And then they come out and lay a complete egg, you know, and it's just like, it is this like roller coaster. Right. But they definitely are a program that I feel like people love to kick Michigan when they're down. So, and that that's, it's just a fact. I feel like. So. Well, and I, I guess Michigan fans also are, are passionate and vocal and, and they have high expectations. Um, yeah, it's just something I was I was thinking about as I'm kind of I'm actually looking at the team talent composite. I'm looking at all these different teams. I'm like, you know, they've they've lost a couple games. They've lost, you know, to, but again, I cover Michigan, so of course I'm going to hear the most when Michigan loses. But speaking of you, you I think we've both touched on it. Next one, it's kind of a big one. It's not nothing. Should Jim Harbaugh 
Don Brown and or Josh Gaddis be on the hot seat after this game. And I'm going to rephrase that just for the true false standpoint. Jim Harbaugh, Don Brown, and or Josh Gaddis should be on the hot seat after this game. True or false? We take them one at a time. If there's multiple, um, yeah, feel free. So A, I I don't I wouldn't put Gaddis there yet. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't uh, Gaddis, no, I don't think so. Um as you said, Michigan didn't turn the ball over today. Uh had four hundred and fifty total yards. Again, question some questionable play calling, but you also have a quarterback who's making his second career start and a guy that you know, again, there's still a lot of room for improvement there, um, but you can kind of see it. A lot of sophomores and freshmen. Yeah, like they are incre- the they're incredibly yeah. young. And uh, not to make excuse, just only speaking to the idea that I don't think Gaddis is on a hot seat type deal at all. Sure. I really don't feel that way. Don Brown, I'm not sure, man. I mean, I, I you know, I went in after the Penn State game last year. It was one of the most frustrating games that I've watched. Um, under Harbaugh with the way that Michigan yielded the big play. And then, like I said earlier, you see what happened today. I'm looking at this quote. This is where I'm a little like on the edge. There's a quote from Daxon Hill after the game saying, we didn't really, we really didn't expect those deep throws because the game plan was to hone in on the run, but they, but they threw some shots in there. So you just have to adjust and something like that happens. We just got to keep, playing on our defense. Don't be shocked or anything. Just be ready for anything. Okay. They ran for 50 yards. last. So that's if, (laughs) if that, if that is true. Okay. If that is true, I think you can legitimately question what Don Brown is doing defensively, because I would argue that Michigan States, what three best offensive players are their wide receivers. And they, like you said, they did not run the ball at all against Rutgers. They didn't run the ball really successfully did not run the ball today either. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, like given kind of what we said earlier, as far as like a seven-year-old being able to look at Michigan's roster and think, okay, cornerback is where they might be able to be exploited defensively. And we talked about, you know, the, the that their edge rushers completely let them down today. But I have no clue how how you could say if if that the if the game plan was to hone in on the run, I really that makes no sense to me. And then you see them, yeah, with over two hundred and thirty yards on six plays. That's you know I, I don't know I got it yeah it's got to be warm I'm already looking at like Ohio State's already beating Penn State fourteen to nothing. Yeah you see what they have offensively and it's right now, just sitting here right now, it's hard not to imagine they're not going to do what they've done the last couple of years against Michigan, if not worse um, with the, the, the level of receiver play that they have the elite quarterback. I mean, Justin Fields is a million times better than Rocky Lombardi. No disrespect to Rocky Lombardi, but I don't think Rocky Lombardi would even. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Justin Fields on a completely different level. They have a, they have, probably three or four guys who will play in the NFL on their offensive line. Just hard to see a scenario where Ohio state doesn't put up points at will against the way, you know, and if that's the case, then what are we doing here? You know, if you're 
Michigan, if you're looking at Don Brown and, and again, he's, he's by and large, he's had a really high level of success here, but man, I mean, this, this game is just, this was, a, this might be the one for me where it's a little bit of a tipping point as far as his tenure as defensive coordinator, I guess, if I'm being honest. So, um, and then Harbaugh, I don't know. Definitely, definitely closer to the to that point than I've ever been. Just because I, I just again the it's it's one thing to lose a game you're not supposed to, but to do it in a rivalry when that's been the knock this entire time has been the knock. Obviously Ohio State, but also giving away a couple a couple games against Michigan State early on in the tenure. You know, same deal. This would have been this would have been better if this would have been next week against Indiana. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. There would, been, there would have been a lot of frustrated people. People still would have been angry because Indiana hasn't beaten Michigan in like thirty-five years. But to lose to an, a, a a lesser talented Michigan State team that came out and just looked like they wanted it more, it really kind of threw you back to the D'Antonio era a little bit, as far as like they just looked and played hungrier see a guy like Antoine Simmons, like running all over the field, like, like with his head cut off, you know, just like guys just everywhere. Um, I don't I It's hard to, I don't want to say I'm like, I'm, I'm on the fence. I just, I don't know my biggest response. And I, I was just on our national podcast, like two weeks or a week ago, like defending Harbaugh and saying, you know, if, if Harbaugh was to move on, what direction do you go? I still kind of answer. I, I have that same question. I, I don't know who you bring in. But, you know, I don't know. Definitely more up in the air than it has been. But my biggest, the biggest one to me, at least as things stand now, it has to be Don Brown. It just has to be. I hate to say that because he's a really good guy. I love his media availabilities. I think he's, there's no doubt he knows, you know, more about defense than you and I will ever know. But just, I, you know, I don't know. Today's performance was inexcusable. Yeah, I think... I, I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I think we even said on this podcast after the Ohio state game last year, I said, I, I don't know how he can come back for the sole reason that how do you, how do you repackage things in the spring and, and, you know, tell yourself and tell the team and tell the fans, like the defense will be better because blank. And this is kind of, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> you know, they, they talked about, you know, Hutchinson and pay, um, talks about the pass rush, the linebacker core kind of overlooked at least publicly the secondary. And then sure enough, that was a big problem. Pass rush was a problem. I mean, it really looked like a Ohio state light, you know, Michigan state, they didn't put up 600 yards of offense. They didn't score 60 plus points or 50 plus points It's only 27 points. It actually wasn't like, I mean, Michigan in, in 2020, you should expect to win a game where, the opponent scores 27 points, but I think those big plays continue. And, and yeah, that's a pretty um, enlightening and not in a, in a way Michigan wants quote from Dax Hill. If it's true. The, right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's what he said, but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I do think, I mean, if you had told me before the season, Elijah Collins won't run for a single yard against Michigan, I would have said, Okay, either he's hurt or Michigan won that game. And you said Joe Milton was going to throw for 300 yards in the game. I would have said, okay, Michigan's going to win by a, a, several touchdowns. So I, I think the passing game is somewhat new. But yeah, for for given how Michigan State looked last week, 
I mean, I even wrote in my preview, I think, I think Michigan state's going to be able to throw the ball a little bit. Um, and then sure enough, they threw the ball more than a little bit. So I'm, I'm kind of with you and Don Brown. I'm actually going to put Jim Harbaugh in the warm seat category. And I'm to be clear, this is not is this is should is the question or the, the statement that we're responding to. I think with the pandemic, with the deficits athletic departments are facing with the unconventional year, I mean, I'm not, I don't have Ohio state, Penn state on, but Penn state's about to be owned to Minnesota's owned to, um, you know, it's just, so it's, it's going to be a little bit of a weird year. So I, I don't think he necessarily is, but in terms of should, I think the seat has to be warm and this, this season will probably tell you what you need to know. And here's why. And I was pointing this out to you. I think I've often kind of gone back and forth with Michigan fans on this because I, I think Michigan fans have Alabama level expectations. They historically have, you know, it's, it's champ beat Ohio state, win a big 10 title or the season was a failure. And that's fine. Fans can have whatever thought they like, but historically they haven't been at that level. They haven't been a top five program historically. And if you look at number of top five finishes, it's not that many. They have been a top 10 program and they definitely have been a top 15 program. And so now with this season, with the way it, the way, you know, if you're forecasting the rest of the season, if Michigan, I don't currently, based on what we've seen, expect them to finish as a top 15 team. And if they don't, that will be three times in the last four years, Michigan has not been a top 15 team. And if you look at the six years and you, you forget the polls, right? Cause the bowl losses, you know, Michigan falls in the polls, maybe more than they should. Cause they were put in a bowl game. They probably shouldn't have been in. I think last year was a good example of that, but in six years, they have had only two seasons where I think if you had pulled people based on the eye test, maybe before the bowl game, only two of the six years was Michigan a top 10 team. 2016 and, and 2018. You could have, if you're stretching, you could maybe say 2015. But the fact is that they, that's not very many. And, you know, you can, I, I think people get mad about Jim Harbaugh's salary. It was the market value. If they didn't pay him that much, somebody else was going to. You, people can get mad about, um, you know, oh, I thought he was going to be the Urban Meyer, Nick Saban whatever that that's that's all that's all in the past it's, it's called sunk cost but if you look at the the here and the now and michigan has a coach that doesn't coach a top 15 team three out of four seasons i don't think that's a coach that's lasting very long that is a coach that probably is on a pretty warm if not hot seat you know i regardless of what you know what the national media says Regardless of what um, you know, Michigan's haters, I guess, say, or, or what the you know crazy all caps uh, message board people say, that's a warm seat at a program like Michigan. Not being a top fifteen team three out of four years. So yeah, to me, I think that statement is true. At at, at if they don't turn it around, beat Wisconsin, beat Penn State, you know, finish what seven and two on the season, you know, cause they get that ninth game in the big 10. If they don't 
find a way to finish seven and two, I think I think the seat has to be warm. And honestly, you know, I I know having covered Jim Harbaugh for what, the, his entire tenure, he's a pretty competitive person, and he he has a lot of pride in Michigan. You gotta wonder if if he kind of looks around and says, you know, what's not working here? Like you know, every year that you know, there's been different changes: new quarterback, new coordinator, new this, new that. Not the same results. I mean, there are things that they've gotten better and worse at, but similar situation where they're kind of between the 15 and 25 in the in the final polls. And that's not where Michigan's supposed to be. That's not how they recruit. That's not historically where they've been. That's probably not where they should be based on, you know, the draft picks they're producing and how they can look at times. It's an inconsistent situation. So, yeah, I'll say true there. First, I think that's the first time I've said true about Harbaugh, by the way. Oh, yeah. I think it's the first. I mean, isn't this the first time we've really had this discussion as frankly as we have? I mean, we've maybe brushed over it against in a couple of the Ohio. Certainly the first time with the record button on. Yeah, I mean, so (laughs) it's it's but so far. This is rock bottom so far for Harbaugh since he's been here, this is the lowest point I think that they've been at as far as just, you know, they've had losses in the past, like you said, but this is now a a loss where you look at the schedule and think, okay, like they really could lose like four or five more games if they play this way again, you know, and not a feeling, you know, I think that they've, that we've looked at them, looked at them and said that 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 was a possibility. So that's just, yeah, it's 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 rough. I feel for the fans though. Got to feel for the fans. Feel for our, like our members on our site, you know, that spend a lot of time like reading what we write, having it, listening <laughs> to what we have to say and stuff. Well, you know, it's just you invest so much time in it, and uh, you know, I think you like you said with the Alabama expectations and stuff. But I mean, again, you're getting to your point where you're paying a head coach that level of money. You know, you you would expect, you know. I mean, they did in 16, they were, they were a, a spot away from probably making the playoffs, but that's as close as they've gotten. And really they haven't really gotten that close since then. No, no. Right? I mean, they, the trajectory has gone the other way. Yeah. So. I mean, what's, what's Michigan's record since JT Barrett was ruled to have a first down. I don't even know. It's, it's well, off the top of my head, it's eight and seven, 18 and 10. 27 and uh, 14 and now 28 and 15. Yeah, that's not very good. No, it's not that great. They were not... 20 and four before that 28 yep. and 15 cents. Yeah, Ooh, boy. That's, I didn't realize it was quite that disparity, but anyway, yeah. uh, final one, because um, you know, there is a season still to play, right? They still have seven games. Well, I guess we'll see how, how COVID-19 goes, but my, my, you know, they have seven scheduled games plus a scheduled bowl game uh, going to assume that they make one, but related to that question, can Michigan pull this together? It was a three point loss. It was a rivalry game, which can always be funky. Always can be a surprise. Michigan has had really good teams that lost to maybe not so good Michigan state teams. And they pulled it together to have a good season. You know, you could argue 2015 
they did so. Um, you know, some during the Lloyd Carr era. I think even Bo had some good teams that lost to Michigan State to like so-so Michigan State teams. You also have seen teams that took that loss and and went the other way. You know, they the steering wheel hung right. And so, you know, 2017 is probably the the most recent example, but I think it also happened in uh, 2013. 2014 was probably a mess before that game, but um, yeah, it can go kind of one of two directions from what you saw today. And you can throw in the Minnesota thing as well. Cause I think that's part of the discussion. Can Michigan pull its season? Michigan can pull its season together. True or false. I think they can. I think, you know, they, you think, I think, I mean, I guess I look at the way, like maybe they rebounded last year after losing to Penn State to come out and wallop a top 10 Notre Dame team. The talent is there for the most part. You know, we talk about maybe a little bit of a talent deficiency at cornerback, but every other, every other position on Michigan's roster, they have a high level of talent. You know, there's no reason it can't come together. Uh, so true, I'm not saying it will, but can they? Yes, I think they can. It's just a matter of uh, just playing more co- like playing just more cohesive, like solid football. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. As far as like the X's and O's, I haven't really rewatched or anything yet. But you know, they got to have their their leaders have to step up. That was the other thing. Another reason why I think today's performance was so disappointing is the talk this year was that it felt like it was a different level of leadership on the roster than they've had in years past. I mean, they named all these captains they had, and uh, it it did not look like a, a well-led team in any regard. So, Yeah, literally the things we said Michigan could take solace in were freshman skill players and a redshirt sophomore second-time starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, but no, I think they can, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to the sports book and wagering that they will. Uh, but I, I do think that they can. So just be a matter of picking your, this is where, and again, we, this is what we said last year after, after that Penn state loss is well, me, we might learn about how the team responds to Harbaugh and his staff, uh, and then they did, they came out and beat the crap out of Notre Dame on national television. I think we're in, I think they're in a similar position now to where we'll find out a lot about their culture, the team culture, and just the, the, you know, the bond. Cause that's, what's the biggest thing is this team. Like they're a lot of oneness and, and, you know, with all the adversity that they had to work through and, and the, the effort to stay healthy just to play this year, you know, and, and to, to, follow all the protocols and stuff just to get on the field. It was like, I think we're going to learn a ton about how serious that stuff really was or is uh, with what we see on, on the field next week. Cause Indiana is going to be chomping at the bit to end this. You know, they they've not only have they not beaten Michigan in forever, but they've had so many close calls against Michigan that, you know, mm. a couple bounces one or two ways could have won a couple of these games in the last five or six years, you know, and they're going to be, this is where it's like, if you're Indiana, it stinks that you don't have a crowd. Because it would be it would be electric in Bloomington next week. I mean, this would be yeah. one of the biggest games that Indiana's ever had if if they were able to have a crowd here. So, um, but I you know I think it'll say a lot about the culture 
and just everything that we've heard from an intangible standpoint about the program and about this roster and uh, how they re- rebound and perform next Saturday. I'm going to say true. And I, I guess the, the, the one thing I think a lot of, I already got a text message about it. People were asking, okay, was the Minnesota win fool's gold? And I don't think it was. I think, I think Minnesota, maybe, I don't think they were an 11 win caliber team this season. They're probably closer to, well, probably closer to a Michigan state, but Michigan still played really well. You know, they went on the road and, and did a lot of things right. There were a lot of really smart blocks, not a lot of mental mistakes. Um, seemed like they were really wired start to finish. That was not the case today. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes, a lot of, you know, just not black execution is such a broad term, but you know, in terms of, Hey, if you're a cornerback, don't get tripped up. Don't get crossed up. Don't put your head down. Don't, you know, like there's just so many little things that you could um, do differently. And, and even if you're not athletically, I mean, sometimes you're going to get beat, but there's so many more things Michigan could have done. I, I got to think the film review for every single position group is going to be uh, once again, enlightening, but not in a good way for, for the Wolverines. That said, I, I do think, I mean, I'm, I, I look at this schedule and, and I look at what Michigan has. I mean, as long as the pass rush isn't, as long as that wasn't fool's gold, I think Michigan's going to be in position where they can run off a few wins here. I mean, Indiana, I am not totally, I'll, I'll do some more. I'll watch the Indiana Rutgers game today, but, um, or watch, rewatch, watch it because it occurred while I was doing reporting, I'm not totally sold. I don't think they have Michigan state's offensive line. I don't think they have Michigan state's defense based on what we've seen so far. Um, you know, Wisconsin, that is a complete wild card game. I mean, we have no clue and I don't think Wisconsin has a clue <laughs> what they're bringing to Ann Arbor. And, and then you look at Rutgers. I mean, Penn state, I'm not watching the game currently. Uh, they look about as human as they have looked since what 2015. You know, they've they had a pretty good run from in 2016, 2017. I guess 2018 was a bit of a down year, but last year 11 and 2. They look human. They sure do. And then you have Maryland. So I I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying they will. I'm with you, but they have a quarterback who seems to be promising. They have skill position players who can do things that are really hard to defend. They have, in theory, I guess this is the the wild card. They have a defensive front seven that can be really punishing. I am inclined to think that's enough for at least a few few wins. You know, I'm not quite sitting here thinking Michigan's going to go four and four, but I think today exposed the fact that Michigan has to be more consistent. They have to deliver they have to convert on you know if it's third down either on offense or defense you have to crank it up a notch because your opponent is you know early on in the game you're gonna have to crank it up they have to find a way to energize themselves you know there's no fans there's no fanfare you know we talk about how michigan ended up clobbering minnesota not initially they started out poorly then 
you know, I guess the difference is Michigan State made the most of it and slowed the slowed the game down like crazy. So, yeah, I think I think Michigan can pull it together. I don't I don't think last week was complete fool's gold. I don't think today was like a zero out of one hundred test score. It was just more like a C minus when Michigan State didn't make a lot of mistakes. So, I mean, if Michigan State had won like twenty to seven. I might be like, I don't know if the offense is is there, but um, you know, I guess the question f- for for the fans to think about is if there's a fifth quarter in that game, does Michigan win? It might not, but certainly isn't absolutely not. So anyway, I think there's there's something there, but Michigan, they have to find it and they have to find it consistently. Cause the Big Ten, a lot of parity this season. I don't think even a road game, to, a road trip to Rutgers is a gimme anymore. I, Maryland at home might be a gimme. That might be the closest one. Uh, but they also looked good Friday night, too. So obviously, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, you know, we've seen all that. So can they pull it together? Yes. Will they? It's kind of in their hands. Michigan has responded well to losses. I think 2018, they won 10 straight after a loss. You mentioned 2019 with um, with Penn State. I guess 2015, you know, they I think they had five-game win streaks or four-game win streaks after both of their mid, you know, the Utah loss and the Michigan State loss. Time to deliver, you know, and it's it's time. They, they put themselves in a situation where they have no margin for error the rest of the way. And And even if you're not thinking about championship contention, they showed today that there's going to be a lot of toss-up type games this season, which as a reporter is fun, I, but I, I agree with you. I feel kind of bad for the fans. Michigan laid a complete egg today, and we'll have to see if that's a one-week problem or a eight-week problem. Yeah. Oh, nothing real to quick. add. Oh, uh, yeah, say, I really have anything. I mean, we've already, <laughs> I, we pretty much said our piece on this episode. I mean, as Ohio State is uh, fourth and goal from the three to take a three score lead against Penn State with like 14 minutes left in the second quarter, um, just, you know, the mountain is looks higher than it ever has for Michigan right now. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're going to actually skip the aired out segment. I think we, we had multiple air it out discussions uh, in this podcast. Hopefully, you got your fix. I'm I'm sure many of our of our listeners would have preferred to um, have a different outcome today. But uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you reading over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com. I uh, hope you like the podcast. Let us know if you do. Let your friends know if you do as well. Uh, but for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24/7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And stay tuned for the Indiana preview in just a matter of days. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.